0: There's not a stupid question. There's not a dumb question. There's not a question that we're not going to answer. So we do want to leave some time for that. Uh, Let me just open up in prayer real quick. Father, we thank you for this time to gather before you, Lord. We thank you for... These ones that have come to this conference, Lord, to be refreshed, to be restored, to be filled up, and to be taught, Lord, we ask you that you would encourage them. We ask you that you would strengthen them, Lord. I ask that you'd give divine ideas even this afternoon as we speak our weak words, Lord, would you anoint them with power, and would you inspire hearts and minds to love and adore you more, Jesus. We love you. Amen. Okay, so just a little bit of background, I'm sure any of you guys who have been in Any of my sessions have heard me speak a little bit of the house of prayer that we were at. So basically, when I was 19 years old, I moved to IHOP, International House of Prayer in Kansas City. Basically, I was a terrible kid doing a lot of bad stuff, and my mom prayed me in. She was the crazy intercessor lady that smelled like patchouli and had the crazy hair and the Jewish-like stuff hanging off. You know, that was my mom. Uh, But man, she was a prayer warrior, and so she prayed me basically into that internship, told me about it basically paid for me to do it. My mom and dad paid for me to go and do this internship at IHOP. Basically, the internship is actually the same thing Caleb did, is a six-month time that you basically go there and you... it's, It's an internship for young adults. Let me say that. It's 18 to 25. It's called the One Thing Internship. You basically go and say, I'm consecrating my life for six months just to sit before the Lord in prayer and worship. No other agenda, no other desire. I just want to be before the Lord. And so that's what... Somehow I decided to do. My mom tricked me or God tricked me. I'm not real sure how I got into it, but I did. Um, And so I moved there when I was 19. Caleb, you moved there when you were what? Yeah, 18. 18 years old. And Caleb was there actually a year longer than I was. So he got there a year before me, and we basically both moved out here about the same time. Um, So in my time at IHOP, I led a ton of worship. Basically, we would lead... uh, Six two-hour sets a week, per week, where we would get up there, we would sing corporate worship songs, we would sing a ton of spontaneous stuff from the scripture, and we would pray in tongues, basically, which (laughs) sounds weird to a lot of people. Um, But that's what we did six times a week. And other than that, so that probably took up, what, 12 hours? Obviously, that's actually scientific math. (laughs) Six times two is 12. It's not my strong suit. I apologize for that. So 12 hours a week, we were on the platform together. Caleb played uh, keys with me and came up with most of the musical stuff that we did, basically. So he was up there with me every time Um, we did that. And then for the other probably, what, 30, 35 hours, we were in the prayer room just before the Lord. Bible's open, talking to the Lord or, you know, studying some certain passage or reading a book. So about 50 hours a week, we were in the prayer room just going, okay, Lord, speak to me, I wanna talk back to you, and that was it. Uh, Caleb also, you led a bunch with student ministries, um, basically taught the, uh, the student ministries, basically taught them how we did what we called the harp and bowl model. That was kind of one of his primary roles out there as well. So we had a ton of time to do this spontaneous stuff, this, this combining of worship and prayer. Um, and it was really beautiful, really glorious. I found my heart coming alive. Um, just about every time we stepped up on the platform to lead worship, my, my heart and my mind would be blown away at the revelation that we would get when we sang through the scriptures corporately. And that's, that's kind of a foreign idea to probably many of the, us in this room. You know, how do you sing through the scriptures? How do you uh, just develop a passage of scripture communally on the stage together. You know, that can seem like a very weird, foreign concept, but when you have some of the tools that we're going to try to give you this afternoon, it actually becomes very easy and very enjoyable very quickly. So I want Caleb to share a bit of uh, the biblical foundations, kind of the scriptural basis for why we did what we did he's got some really really good insight on this stuff uh go
1: ahead and turn to my mic is louder than cory's
0: <laughs> your voice
1: is louder than cory's <laughs> that's probably true uh go ahead and turn to revelation 5 8 um like cory said i uh moved to the house of prayer when i was 18 um really just went there to uh Know the Bible, get to know God before I went off and did uh, college and, and and did my own thing. I got ambushed by the Lord, um, just being in this this prayer room and just having this Bible in front of me, and and uh, I went on this journey of turning this book into a conversation piece with the Lord, and uh, it went from just being words on a page to uh, being the language of my heart and, 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 and really being the foundation by me talking to God and adding in music. Um, and uh, just recently I've been on this phrase in the Lord's Prayer, on earth as it is in heaven, uh, on earth as it is in heaven, on earth as it is in heaven. And generally I've thought about that, that phrase just, you know, talking about let's pray you know, for the will of God as it happens in heaven to, to, to happen on earth as Jesus instructed. But but recently I've been feeling and thinking about on earth as it is in heaven, as, as far as this is Jesus' instruction to us how we should pray. And there's prayer going on in heaven around the clock, 24-7. Jesus is the great intercessor. He's the right hand of the Father continually making intercession for us. And there's a prayer model and a format that's happening in heaven, but on earth, we rarely look at that throne room situation. What's happening up there to model how we should pray on earth? And so that's that's the gift that Revelation five does. I mean, there's lots of throne room scenes in the Bible: Ezekiel one, Isaiah six, Revelation four and five nine. I mean, there's lots of throne room scenes. But uh, Revelation five eight, um, this is John describing what he's seeing in in the in the throne room. It says, and when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and a golden bowl full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And so you see the ones that are surrounding the throne, they have these two elements. They have this harp, which represents music and worship, and then they have this bowl that represents the prayers of the saints, uh, and that's where we get the, the name for the prayer format. Uh, we did it. I harp and bowl. It all. It, all it's saying is we're combining worship and prayer together. And it's not a. It's not an idea that was just created because it's a cool tool to get young people involved. It's a cool way to 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 make the the prayer meeting more energized. It's it's actually extremely scriptural. Uh, David. Um, back in the Old Testament, most of you probably already know this story, um, but he had the tent where he had the sacrificial system set up uh, according to the law of Moses, and then he, uh, he uh, erected another tent a few miles away where he had 24-7 prayer and worship going on. He hired a couple thousand Levites, um, a couple thousand singers, and a couple hundred musicians, and they would do shifts. Uh, around the clock and the Ark of the Covenant was actually right in the middle of the room and the singers and the musicians, they would face each other and they would sing uh, and, and, and uh, the, there was three things they would do. There they would be praise, there would be uh, 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 prophetic, and there would be prayer. Um, and we see that that that's where mo- uh, now I won't I won't say most, but that's where at least we know a lot of the psalms were written was in this tent that David had put up to worship around the clock, and 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 they would pray, uh, and they would they would prophesy, and then they they would praise. And I, I see a lot of our worship services uh, in America. Uh, primarily in the west but but all over and and we do the the praise really well um but the prophetic and the prayer mixed in with that which is what david which was normal in david's day uh, uh that gets more uh left uh it's kind of put to the side and i actually recently read this book on 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 david and uh I I love that the author was saying, you know, David was a man after God's own heart. That's because he took the law of Moses and he said, okay, this this is the least that the Lord required. What's the most I can give? I can do the sacrificial thing. Um, but was that really all the Lord was wanting, or was that just the least that the Lord required? He said, I can do better than that. I can put my money, time, and finances into worshiping him uh, uh, around the clock, and that's really what his heart was after, and that's why David was a man after God's own heart, because he said, what's the most radical I can be? What's the most I can give? As a heart of a worshiper, it wasn't, God requires sacrifice for atonement of sin, so we'll give him that to appease him. It wasn't, we, we don't want to appease God. We want to... Be a delight to His heart. We want to be worshipers. and so He set up this system. And I, uh, I won't say ironically, because I think the Lord is the one who, who gave Him the idea. It's the same thing we see in the throne room picture. Around the throne, there's there's sound and there's light and there's music going on. And we see all throughout Scripture, there's singing that's happening in the throne room. There's prayer that's happening in the throne room, and it's all one reality. It's not separate, and uh, and we kind of compartmentalize the, the worship meeting is, you know, the music and the singing, the adoration to God, and the prayer meeting is no music, it's dry, it's mostly boring, it's just someone on a mic talking, and you try your hardest to in, engage with them, and we compartmentalize the two. <laughs> and we found, and this is this is our story, Corey and I story, and, and so many stories, when we've compound, uh, combined, combined, like is not that, a combined is word, let's go with that though. That's right, <laughs> new word, when we combine worship uh, and music with prayer and intercession. There's such an enjoyable element to it. And w- what do you know? If when we tried to do on earth as it was in heaven, it was actually enjoyable and it was fun. And and uh, it was it was it, it did a number of things. One, it, it gave us an ability to to go deep in the word, as Corey said, as we sung the scriptures and did the praise prophetic and, 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 and prayer thing, the scriptures came alive because it was so much more fun to, to sing the scriptures than just to read them. And, and, and I always had so much guilt and condemnation because I found most of the time when I read my Bible, it was boring. And, uh, you know, I was like, I, if I'm a Christian, the Bible's boring. Then I, either I'm not saved or I'm just a terrible Christian. <laughs> um, and, but I found that, that, that uh, when, I, when I read the scriptures, but then I added music and I sung it, my emotions got involved. It, it got written on my heart. It, it, it went deep inside of me. It stuck with me. Uh, uh, and, and the most important thing, it's enjoyable, which is Isaiah 56, 7. We, we won't turn there. Um, again, I'm just giving a quick biblical uh, background for this. Uh, it's the prophecy that, that Jesus talks about in the temple, but it's uh, it's talking about the Gentiles, and it says, I will make them joyful in my house of prayer. It's talking about a later time, uh, you know, when Jesus t- uh, tore the veil and, and uh, salvation was for the Jew and the Gentile. Uh, he said, I will make it joyful in my house of prayer, or you can sub the word enjoyable. I will make it enjoyable in my house of prayer for the, for the, for the Gentiles. And of course, at the, at the time, that was a foreign concept, but now we see uh, we're all brought in and and can enjoy the presence of the Lord and pray, and it not just be a dry and boring experience. And so, uh, you know, if we take the, the template of Revelation five eight and of this tabernacle of David, and bring in these prayer elements into our worship services, uh, uh, we can unify in such a unique way. And uh, we we did this at, we do this every Sunday night uh, here at New Life, but we did this at Desperation Conference. Um, with a few thousand teens, and Corey was leading, and we took a time about forty-five minutes, and we prayed. And he'll he break down what it looks like. I don't want to get into that too much, but basically, we someone someone prayed on the mic, and then we sung the prayers, and we, we put choruses that we repeated and put the words on the screen. And suddenly, thousands of kids that you know, fourteen to eighteen-year-olds, uh, were in were singing the same chorus. At once, we, an entire un- room was unified. And, and Paul prayed that with one mind and one mouth, we would glorify the Father. And that's, that's our goal in prayer. With, a, in, with one mind and one mouth, we would all be unified when we glorify the Father and we pray to him. And instead of just someone praying on a mic and people trying to engage with that, um, when we added the element of singing that chorus, it unified the room in a dynamic way. And uh, uh, you know, we wanna encourage you guys, uh, those of you who are on worship teams or, or who have worship services or, or have prayer meetings, if you have a prayer meeting without music and worship, to try it, to try adding music in and see how enjoyable it becomes, see how fun uh, uh, it becomes. And, and then if you're just doing worship and you don't have any times of prayer with that, try to insert some prayer into that worship. And, and it's not the in- entire time. We normally do just a couple minutes we do forty-five minutes of worship. We'll normally do five to ten minutes of prayer when we when we do that Sunday night. But but uh, just uh, adding that that time of prayer where we can all unify together uh, and and pray the thing that 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 the Lord's saying in in that service. And it's just a beautiful way that 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 we can that uh, that that we can unify. And so uh, I just want to encourage you. Corey's going to go into the. The, the practicals, but to look at it yourself, just do, do a little bit of research into the tabernacle of David, do a little bit of uh, uh, looking into the throne room scenes, and I think you'll see this element of music, worship, and prayer, it's all one reality before the Lord, and, and, uh, and the more that, that we get on and do, uh, do what the Lord's saying, the more that, you know, we see this on earth as it is in heaven, we're praying, we're joining in with the prayer that's, that's happening in heaven.
0: Yeah, I love what Caleb's talking about with the corporate aspect. He's talking about when we sing these choruses, everyone can join in. We're with one mouth, one accord, one heart. We're all praying the same thing. That really is a beautiful thing. That's the beauty of song. You know, when we write a corporate song, last night John's singing the song Strong God. You know, many of us in this room know that song. So, you know, pretend there's a million people in here. If all one million people know that song, we're with one mouth. And with one accord, we're all going in the same direction, singing the same thing. That's the beauty of song. And so what we tried to do is, you know, it's this Revelation 5-8 idea, the harp, the music, and the bowl, the prayers. We tried to make that corporate in the same way that a song would be corporate. So to me, there's two models that we used at IHOP. And again, these are not the end-all be-all. These are not the only ways you can do it. We've even adapted it since we've been here. We've already tweaked it a bit to fit here. Uh, But to me, there's two models. The first one to me would be called intercession. And what that is, it's just prayer. We're just praying for a certain goal. So case in point, we would come together on a Sunday night and say, we're going to pray for this city. So we come, we're going to sing a worship song, and then when we begin praying, we're going to Uh, start some sort of musical idea, what we would call a musical cycle. It could be anything. I mean, any chord progression that you come up with, it doesn't matter. It can be anything. We like to have something kind of driving so it feels like there's some energy to it. But basically, there's going to be a prayer leader or someone who's praying. You know, just call them the prayer person, (laughs) whatever you want to call them. They're going to pray a scripture. You know, Lord, pour out your spirit, Joel 2, whatever you want. Pour out your spirit, and we begin praying for the city. Pour out your spirit on Colorado Springs, release healing, release power, release salvation. We sing that, or sorry, we pray that stuff, and then we'll have a few singers. You know, say me and Caleb are the singers. I'm going to begin to sing those phrases. Lord, pour out your spirit. I'm singing it. Caleb sings, Lord, release healing in Colorado Springs. And then what we do is we develop a chorus, just the same way that you would a corporate worship song. We're going to develop a chorus so that the entire room can jump on together. So we're going to develop that chorus, and hopefully we'll have a little song screen or a screens person that can put the words up here. Sometimes I get very mad at them because they're very slow, and they do a bad job at it. And it's one of my pet peeves, and I want to slap them. It's like one of my biggest pet peeves. But hopefully we get those words on the screen so everyone in the room can join in in the same chorus. You know, and then we're singing, Lord, pour out your spirit. Pour out your spirit. Release healing. We're just repeating that over and over and then the beauty of that, there's a cadence and a melody to it, and so every one of you in the room can sing it. And we like to keep it pretty simple, not with a whole lot of runs and crazy vocal dynamics happening. So even the simplest Mike Bickle of singers can, can jump on with us, you know, even the worst singer in the world. And yes, I'm saying Mike Bickle, the leader of IHOP, is the worst singer I've ever heard in my life. Even he can jump on with the choruses, and that's the beauty of it. There's this corporate reality, which is, you know, it's fulfilling that on earth as it in heaven, as is it in heaven. You know, we're all jumping on and going together in one direction, in one accord. So that's a very simple version of what I would call the intercession model. Uh, the second model is more of what we would call the singing seminary. That was kind of the, the phrase that was coined at IHOP. And basically the idea behind this singing seminary is that we grab a passage of scripture. Usually it's one of the songs because they're very singable. The language is very easy to be, uh, make choruses out of. It's very easy to sing. It's very accessible. And so a lot of times we'll take a psalm, you know, take Psalm 23 for instance. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. We've all heard it a million times. But basically as a worship team, we're going to study that psalm together. We're going to study it outside of the context of the platform on our own, where we're asking the Lord, okay, what does this mean? What are, the, what are cross-references? How do we dig a little deeper into this psalm? And then we're going to come together as a team, and basically what we're going to do is break down this psalm into maybe four cycles, quote-unquote, and that's basically our way of saying little chunks of scripture that are easy to digest, so to speak, that are easy to kind of... Um, consume and really get your mind around. So, Psalm 23, we'd go, okay, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Maybe that's the first little chunk, little cycle of scripture that we're going to sing through. So, basically, what we would do, practically, we'd sing a corporate worship song, and then we, we, we would begin to do what we would call developing that passage. And so, We'd sing the worship song. Maybe Caleb as the keys player. He would come up with some kind of chord progression, some sort of uh, musical idea that hopefully complements that scripture. And maybe I'll get into just a little bit. You know, when you think of that scripture, the things that we would ask ourselves that Caleb would ask himself, if he was the one coming up the music, with the music for that passage, he would be asking himself, okay, what does this sound like? How can I express this through music? How can I give life to this language, so to speak? So it's basically like he's setting the table for the singers to be able to sing and prophesy that scripture, you know, with some anointing or with some feeling to it. So he would come up with some great music, hopefully, and, uh, we would, so you take that first chunk of scripture, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And we would just start singing that scripture. Say there's three singers. The first one uh, would introduce the passage. You know, say, say there's one, two, three singers. This first one knows, okay, my job after that musical idea is established is to actually introduce this passage uh, vocally. So, the Lord is my shepherd. You know, (laughs) you introduce it, whatever that sounds and looks like. And then, basically what we're going to do is we would do what we call popcorn around. You know, we're just going to, singer one's going to sing, singer three's going to sing, I'm going to sing, singer two's going to sing. We just sort of jump around, and it's random. There's um, There's no structure to that. It's basically like we just flow with each other. We just kind of listen to each other. Okay, I hear that they sang that. Okay, I hear, now that brings this idea to my mind. That, that brings this cross-reference to my mind. And so we'd sort of jump around singing the scripture. And basically what you're doing is you're, you're developing that passage, you're, uh, you're mining revelation on that passage through what we would call a singing conversation. I mean, the idea is the word is antiphonal. And a lot of people kind of balk at that word, like, that's a really weird word, and it sounds very, like, old English, and why? Are you, what are you talking about? But the idea of antiphonal is what we called it. It, it means conversational. It's almost like it means circular, like Caleb was saying. In, uh, in the tabernacle of David, they would almost face each other as they sang and as they developed the songs because it was conversational. It's the same way that you and I would sit down over a scripture and go, man, I'm really feeling this on this scripture. And you'd go, oh, dude, you're exactly right, but I'm feeling this too. And all of a sudden, there's this cool synergy and you're developing all this really nice revelation on it. And you're going, oh, I never thought about that. Wow, that's amazing. You know, and it kind of develops this really cool energy around that passage that you wouldn't have if you didn't do this basically and so we're doing that we're having this musical vocal conversation with this scripture and then we're going to develop a chorus just like we did in the other model that I called intercession we're going to develop a chorus so that if you guys are in the room while we're doing this on the platform as soon as we develop that chorus you guys can sing along right with us you're tracking with us, you're going, okay, yeah, those scriptures are great, I love these cross references, but I'm not really able to jump in yet, bam, we hit that chorus, and you go, yep, I'm there, right right with you, you're singing right with me, and we're all going somewhere together, and uh, so basically, we would just do that a couple times, you know, we'd take that first chunk, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, sing through that a bunch, feel like we've exhausted it, great, okay, let's move on, do another corporate worship song, and then do the same thing through the next passage of scripture, you know, my enemies surround me, even in the presence of my enemies, you set a table before me. Say that's the next chunk. We're going to do the same exact thing that we just did. We're going to have that musical and vocal conversation that develops that passage and mines the revelation from it. And the beauty of this is there's so much room for spontaneous. There's so much room for uh, the prophetic within this. I know a lot of times in in a corporate worship context, we feel like, okay, it's just song, 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 and then we're going to end, and that's sort of where it lies, and I feel like some of us are going, no, I want to do more than that. I want to prophesy. I want to I sing what the Lord gives me, and so just a few practicals within this model. While we're up there, we singers, you know, say I'm a singer, and I got a couple more. We singers are going, Holy Spirit, what are you saying right now? We're always asking, you know, Brady said that little metaphor last night, if my antenna's not up, I'm not gonna have a whole lot of reception. So the idea is we would want to put our Holy Spirit antenna quote, quote unquote up so that we can get reception, so that we can hear from him. And basically that just looks like asking, asking a ton, Holy Spirit, what are you saying? It's that simple, Lord, what are you saying right now? I wanna prophesy, I wanna speak what's on your heart, I wanna release that testimony of Jesus, what are you saying right now? And for me as a singer, my own testimony is I would always get really simple phrases, just a real simple, maybe a one-word answer. Holy Spirit, what are you saying? And I'd just hear peace. And I'd go, oh, okay, I think that's you. So what I would do is I would just begin to sing about the peace of the Lord. I'd just be faithful with it. You know, I, I wouldn't know Much more than peace. That's it. I'd go, okay. The peace of the Lord. It flows like a river. Peace that passes understanding. I'd begin just singing that within this context. And a lot of times... That would spark someone else. They would get something great on it. Or the musicians would get something amazing. And they'd, they'd hear this melody line. And we'd go somewhere with it. Just because I was obedient with that, that one little quick word that the Lord spoke to me. And so I'd just keep that antenna up. Holy Spirit, what are you saying? What are you doing within this format? I know there's a structure. But I also know that there's room to be prophetic. Room to be spontaneous. Room to uh, flow in the Holy Spirit, really. And so those were things that we would try to do um, within that. Caleb, some thoughts?
1: Yeah, I want to give a few just benefits of what Corey was talking about, about adding this in. And, and, you know, I'm assuming a lot of you are in here, and this might be a newer idea, or you're thinking, well, how could I implement this in? Uh, Or, you know, what would the benefits be? And... um, just, just a, a few of the the, the benefits I want to hit is is one is it gives uh, a dignity to the musicians and the singers to to be th- this prayer and antiphonalizing and responsive playing and singing, and that uh, you know I see a lot of problem problems at churches with uh, musicians that they just think of themselves as being a band member who's playing a part that they're being told to play and they don't really have any value in leading the service and we see that in how they might carry themselves they might just come to services and never actually engage in the service or listen to the sermon they, you know they just come to play and then hang out and and that's really all And because we've built this culture of the worship leader you know they pick the songs and they lead and you just do what you're told and it doesn't really matter if you engage it doesn't really matter if you worship or not you're just person playing. Um, doing this as a musician, because uh, I, I rarely sing on these sets, like Corey was talking about, I get to put my antenna up, and so if we're in a worship service on, or on Sunday night where we've just done, you know, 40 minutes of worship, and we're going to do 10 minutes of prayer, I hear, uh, you know, Dave Perkins is going to pray for the city of Colorado Springs. Corey gives me the dignity of asking the Holy Spirit, what are you saying like and I get to play music that helps set the table for the atmosphere of, of what we're playing for there's music you know music so appropriately sets uh, 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 and, and opens up people's hearts for the message to go forth you know like you know if we're singing an exuberant song of praise, we're singing about how good the Lord is you know I mean it's amazing like if we're singing about how good the Lord is and we have this upbeat music, the emotion of our heart is we just want to like dance and just celebrate and we can sing how good the Lord is, you know, in a song like how he loves us and we just weep and we cry because the only difference in the... the, the the fact was the music yeah. and and uh, so uh, the musicians and singers get to put their antenna up and and ask the lord what he's saying and 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 it gives a dignity to what they're doing and and you know i'm going in and i'm not just zoning out when cory's leading i'm worshiping with him i'm singing the songs with him when 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 dave or whoever's praying i'm praying the prayer with it because what i'm doing affects the atmosphere in the room and uh uh, in the Old Testament, we see uh, Elisha, the prophet, um, he, he, go, he uh, goes to prophesy and he says, bring me a musician. And the scripture says, when the musician began to play, the spirit of pro- uh, prophecy fell on Elisha and he prophesied. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we see a clear scriptural evidence for music and worship stirring up the spirit of prophecy, or, uh, you know, which is just the testimony of Jesus, just the things that... that, that that the Lord is saying. So the first thing, it gives dignity to the musicians and the singers. The second, I, I already hit it a little bit, but it brings a profound unity in prayer. Um, being able to combine worship and music, I won't elaborate on that too much. Um, uh, thirdly, uh, it, it causes the Bible to, to come alive in, uh, in a unique way. Um, and Corey talked about it a little bit, but the singing seminary idea of, instead of just reading the scriptures and trying to apply some principles, singing it, but not singing about God, looking at him and singing it to him and using as a conversation piece with him. It's amazing that that knowledge becomes experiential and it becomes real and it goes deep, um, on the inside. And then, uh, here, here's a, here's another big benefit. Um, it get, uh, doing prayer this way, uh, it gets a lot of other people in the game. Um, when you, I was kind of talking about, you know, the, you can have the worship leader and the pastor, and they're leading, and, uh, uh, you know, they're still leading in that way, but, but a lot of times, if you only have one or two people leading, if people don't feel a sense of leadership, um, you know, they don't get pushed to, to, to go deeper. And so, um, The beauty of doing these prayer meetings with musicians and singers is they get to help lead the prayer meeting. It it, it gets more people in the game. So instead of, you know, this uh, being a prayer meeting that Corey's here to lead and shoulder by himself and he's got to get everything and he's got to know everything and he's got to lead everything, that can be very burdensome. But if we're coming as a team element, we can go so much farther as a team. We can go so much farther when it's us uh, going off each other and like we're almost bouncing ideas off each other. And you know, someone sings this scripture and that reminds someone else of another scripture or someone prays a phrase and that reminds someone else and everyone's shouldering it together. And it's this beautiful picture of this team element of prayer where it's not just personality driven or it's not one person uh, driving it. It's, It's everyone doing it together and there's engagement on the stage and there's engagement in the room. Um, so I'm going to have Corey add anything else. But I really want to encourage you guys, if, if you're doing prayer meetings without music, to try adding some of these elements in. And if you're just doing worship services uh, and, and never adding any prayer piece, try adding in it, even if it's just for a minute at the end of worship. Just start to add it and, and have your worship team engage with you and sing and see what it does both in your worship team and, and in your congregation. Yeah, just a couple
0: more thoughts on the benefits of doing this. A huge one to me and one that's been really helpful to my own life has been the aid in songwriting. So when we're on the platform, like I said, we're doing all this spontaneous worship. We're coming up with all this uh, spontaneous music, all this spontaneous choruses out of the scripture. I've found that probably 75% of the songs that I personally have written have been birthed on the platform at IHOP, or here, you know, many of them already here have been birthed in this place, just through this worship and prayer combining the two, so, you know, we get together, we come up with a great chord progression, then we start singing these choruses around these scriptures, and it's like, bam, lights start going on like crazy, and all of a sudden you get that great chorus, what I would do is, I would, you know, if I didn't make up the the chorus personally, I would ask whatever singer made it up, hey, can... Can I have this? I'll give you credit for it on the copyright, you know, whatever that legal logistic stuff looks like, but I want to steward this because I believe that the Lord gave this to us during this time of prayer. And so I would keep that chorus And then I would build the other components around that and make it into a song. You know, so many, like really more than half of my songs have been birthed on the platform because we were studying the scripture together and that revelation turned into a chorus, which then turned into a song. So that's a huge benefit. Um, I forgot my second one. I had another benefit and I totally forgot it. I'll I'll figure it out later.
1: So I just want to uh, basically recap really quickly what are the different por- prayer formats that we do here at New Life and what they look like. And we actually have prayer meetings going on during this conference. I want to encourage you guys to, to check some of them out. We have a, a devotional format happening at 6 p.m. tonight and then tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. And then tomorrow at noon after the conference is done, we're doing intercession prayer meetings. And we're going to do this model that we're talking about um, uh, new life is starting. We actually started it this week. We do uh, three uh, uh, prayer meetings Monday through uh, Monday through Friday, uh, uh, 9 a.m., noon, and 6 p.m. And we do this prayer format, uh, and it's it's been incredibly fun. Uh, uh, Dla and the school of worship and prayer under that gets gets to get leadership in it, and there's different musicians and singers around that they get to do it. So I want to encourage you to come and look at it, and just uh, be in a prayer meeting and see if you uh, see if you enjoy it and see if you like it, and it'll help what uh, it'll help make sense of, of what we're saying. So uh, we have the the first uh, format I'd say we do it, it would be um, our Sunday night or our uh, prophetic worship or prophetic prayer format, and that is where we do about. 35, 40 minutes of corporate worship, um, you know, just, just like any other worship service, and then at the end of that, we do about uh, five to ten minutes of, of prayer where someone introduces a passage, they, they, they pray a, a thought and a scripture, and we sing around that like Corey talked about for about five, ten minutes, and we normally end in worship. Um, Quick thought on that. Yeah. Even in that prophetic worship
0: context, there doesn't necessarily have to be a prayer leader who prays a passage, who prays that scripture. That doesn't even have to be part of it. Like case in point, last night, we're all up here on the platform. We're doing worship at the end for ministry time after Brady had spoken. We're doing some corporate worship songs, but then we're flowing within it. And you heard John, you probably didn't know this, but that, uh, what was the chorus? You love us, you love us, or something like that. You guys know what I'm talking about? That chorus he did at the end was spontaneous. It was just something that kind of the Lord gave him in the moment. That's what the Lord was speaking. And then we just did it spontaneously. And that, that can, that's kind of our prophetic worship. It's just flowing within the context of corporate worship with some spontaneous choruses, with spontaneous phrases of singing and stuff like that. It doesn't necessarily have to involve a prayer leader if
1: you don't have one. Sweet. So... Uh that, that's, more, that's kind of our worship format. And then we have two prayer formats that, that Corey kind of talked about. We have an intercession and then we have a, a just a devotional worship uh, format. So for the intercession one, we do uh, between 20 and 30 minutes of, of, of corporate worship, just like a, a, a normal worship service. Um, and then we, uh, we open the mic up and we have a prayer leader and uh, we pray for about 20 minutes or so. And that prayer time for that 20 minutes, is just, it looks like praying on the mic and, and praying a scripture for only a couple minutes and then letting the worship team sing uh, different phrases and then make up choruses and then have someone pray on the mic again. We also do different things like uh, uh, we'll, we'll have where everyone comes up and they pray like a, a 10 second prayer. Uh, and we just pass the mic on that 's a way for everyone to kind of get to pray on the mic, um, so we do that for about twenty minutes. We all join in in prayer, we pray, we inter- intercede and pray on the mic, and then we sing those prayers back, uh, and then we go back into a time of worship and sometimes we 'll go back into a time of prayer if we, if we have time if we don 't then we 'll just end the, the time off in worship. And we just do uh, an hour prayer meeting that way um, and then uh, finally, we do a devotional prayer format which is, uh, again, about 20 to 25 minutes of corporate worship, uh, and then um, we take a passage in Scripture, uh, like a psalm, and we sing through it phrase by phrase. Just like, you know, uh, you know I went to Bible school, so you, know, you learn exegesis. You, you learn to take a passage and to take it phrase by phrase and break down what every phrase means, and you deliver that in a sermon. We do the exact same thing. We just sing it. And so we take each phrase and, and, and we, we sing the exact phrase. We, uh, uh, we, we, we sing it verbatim, we paraphrase it, and then we cross-reference it with different scriptures. And then we put choruses around it so everyone can worship with us. And we do that for about 20 minutes. We go back in and we, we end it in worship. And so I tell you that to give you a helpful grid, not because that's the, the, the time frame that you need to do and this is, this is the model that's the most holy and and the best model i mean you do whatever works for you whatever whatever is helpful as far as time and whatever model or structure you do (laughs) go for it and 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 do it that way but you know that's just what we've found that has worked the best and if it changes and we find another way uh, uh, works the best then we'll do that so that's just kind of a picture of what we do here at new life for our prayer format do you have anything else before we do questions or
0: yeah i just want to kind of get a quick poll on you guys. How many of you guys have implemented some sort of semblance of worship and prayer together? If I could just get a show of hands. A few, okay, that's great.
1: That's good number. That's great.
0: How many of you guys in the room are feeling intimidated by the things that we've talked about? Okay, we've got a few. Appreciate your candor. Uh, I want to hear some of your guys' questions, and we want to help you guys work through some of those Uh, fears some of maybe those apprehensions I think if you guys can sort of voice those things that are on your heart going oh I don't know about this and I'm kind of scared to get into this because blah 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 I think we can probably speak to some of those things and and help you on some of those things so anybody who has a question okay let's start right here hey hold on one sec one sec sorry do we have someone that can do a mic dealy yes praise the lord you are the best thanks so much
1: So it sounds like um, it's more people from the stage that are doing the prayer and the worship, not so much people in the congregation coming up, praying on a mic. Is that accurate?
0: For the most part, yes. I think it's not necessarily the only way to do it. I think in our context at IHOP, we would get a lot of crazies. A lot of really weird people who just wanted a mic because they wanted to preach their latest sermon or they wanted to say the latest crazy crap that was on their mind. Uh, and so we sort of didn't allow that. We basically made it sort of a, only a platform thing or only certain approved people in the room. But I think if you're at a local church and you're going, no, I know these people. I know that they have hearts to pray. I know that they're not all a bunch of crazy, heretical, gnarly Wild men.
1: So there's a lot of crazies. That's <laughs> there's a
0: lot of crazies. No, if, but if you don't have that, I think you open it up to them and go, yeah, you come up, pray what's on your heart, and we're going to support you in prayer. I think that's beautiful. Okay.
1: Yeah, especially if you have someone to, to coach them. You know, it, you can have a mic, and you say, hey, anyone can come up and pray during uh, this time, but maybe have them you know, come up and sit on the front row before, and you just talk to them. Hey, here's 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 our format. You know, uh, we're just gonna have you pick a scripture. We want to pray the scripture, not just what's on our heart. So, so pick a scripture. Pray for what you want to pray for, but you know, keep it to two to three minutes. And and uh, you know, try to pray a prayer that everyone can engage with, and try to pick a prayer topic. You know, don't pray for your your grandma's dog. You know, pray for something that everyone can engage with. And if you can help coach them, I think that's a great opportunity to get people in the congregation to get involved. And and you know, because you're. Probably Probably not going to just pick Joe Schmo to get up and preach in in our sermon, but it's a great way that you can, through coaching, allow them to have some leadership in in a prayer meeting.
0: Yeah, one last thought on that: praying scriptural prayers is really helpful. It does keep it within guidelines, like Caleb said. Joe Schmo is not going to get up and pray for his grandma's dog if you have them pray scripture. You know, a lot of th- what we would do at, at IHOP is we would pray what we called apostolic prayers, which is basically the prayers of the apostles. You know, Paul prayed so many really brilliant, really power-packed prayers all littered throughout the New Testament. And so we would just pray based on those. You know, Ephesians 1, pour out a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Ephesians 3, pour out your love. There's so many different apostolic prayers that really Run the gamut of things that you can pray for, so that's real helpful too. So I just have a question: What's your recommendation for churches that are not doing that? How do you easy the congregation into it? Got any other thoughts?
1: Yeah, I, I think um, a, a great way to do that is is at the end of the uh, worship service, and uh, you know, if if uh, and it might be the the main Sunday morning service, or it might be the, the teen service, and you can just say. You know, I would say at the beginning, hey, at the end of worship service, stay standing and, and stay engaged. We're going to have a time of praying for like a minute to two minutes, and here's what we're going to pray for. Uh, and then, and then so 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 that everyone knows it's coming, so they're not just weirded out when someone's just yelling a prayer on the mic. <laughs> so then, you know, a pastor or someone comes up, prays a quick prayer, and then maybe have... Uh, You know, try to have the singers just sing one chorus or or sing the same worship chorus again, you know, some simple way that, that you can get everyone on the same page. But, you know, just make sure the communication is clear with the worship team, what they're doing, and then communication to everyone in the room. Like, it's difficult for people to engage when something is really strange and foreign. But, you know, just simple phrases and simple coaching. But I think that's a great way to do it is just right at the end of a worship service, you know, for a minute to two minutes, and then you can let it grow and, and do more. And then it's great, you know. Uh, the more you do it, the worship team and the room is comfortable with it. So when there's emergencies, like, you know, like in Colorado, we've had this, this flooding um, that people have lost their lives and homes. It was an emergency. Like, it was natural, you know, on Sunday night, Hey, we're instead of it being you know abnormal and we're praying for something and no one knows how to engage, we, we've we're so used to doing it that we we're like, mm-hmm. hey, this is what we do. We pray when we gather together, we're gathered together, we're gonna pray for God to you know to stop this flooding, to 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 stop the rain and, and to protect people and, and it was it was natural to go into it.
0: Yeah, it is about building culture. You don't have to feel like you have to go to zero to 100 miles per hour in a day by any means. I think you ease into it, like Caleb's saying, and as you develop that culture, that this is part of what we do. You know, we pray. We pray as a church, and the model doesn't have to look exactly like what we described. It can look like what works best for you and your congregation, but the idea is that you start easing them into it, and and eventually they'll get it.
1: Great question. Thoughts?
0: You had mentioned that uh, you guys kind of changed up a little bit from IHOP coming here, where it was a completely different culture. Mm -hmm. Uh, What did you guys do? What did that look like? The biggest change we made was actually cutting out what we would call spontaneous singing, which It sounds like I just taught you guys spontaneous singing, but our version of spontaneous singing basically meant singing anything that's on your heart and praying, singing in the spirit, so singing in tongues as well. What we would do, we would go corporate worship, spontaneous singing, which again meant everyone at the same time is lifting up their voice and singing love song of their heart, you know. So I'm going, Jesus, I love you. Shout out to us. You know, I'm praying in the spirit at the same time. And so we basically cut that out coming here because it didn't feel like it necessarily fit with the culture that was here. And we, we didn't want to push that on anyone. That's not necessarily a, a main tenant of what we were doing. So we cut that out and we simplified the antiphonal singing. Whereas normally at IHOP, we would have quite a bit of the popcorn that I talked about when we were jumping back and forth with little phrases. We did less of the little phrases and more choruses because we wanted to be more corporate, more accessible for the people who are in the room. And we found that people tend to gravitate toward choruses anyways. So let's do more of those.
1: Um, On uh, on your choruses, were you, uh did you have these pre-planned
0: or were the people, you know, back there putting in the stuff on the screens, were they just kind of waiting to see what you came up with or how did that all work? Yeah. They were basically waiting to see what we came up with. And again, we wanted to keep them simple. So the chorus leader who, we would designate before the, before the service, okay, you are leading the choruses tonight. You're going to make up the choruses. And then the worship leader also has the ability to make up the choruses. So we would designate, you're going to make them up tonight. And so she would sing, pour out your spirit, pour out your spirit. Let Colorado Springs be on fire or whatever. And the people back there would go, okay, pour your try to get it real quick because they know I'm going to slap them if they don't. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay, thanks. We got one here and then uh, here on the front. Just a piggyback there. All, uh, always spontaneous? Do you walk into the room with a preconceived idea? Do you know what some of the scriptures going to be before you get up? Do you have a, a, a tune going through your head? You want to give it a shot tonight and see how it works? Sure. Yeah. Uh, that, that's such a great question. And and a lot of people when they see it, they're like, Oh my gosh, they're so much spontaneous. Like I would. I would go nuts. I don't have the, the gifting for that. And the truth is, uh, you know, it's a it's a solid mixture of spontaneous and pre-planned. Like the like the music we go into, we, we would have, you know, 20 to 30 different chord progressions or feels that we could go into at any point. And so a lot of times we'd say, hey, let's do that one because we know uh, the prayer leader has already picked what he's going to pray for. And so, we, oh, this music would really fit that. And so, uh, you know, some people... They, they think that structure uh, uh, is is hindering to spontaneous but it's the exact opposite the biggest hindrance to a prophetic spirit is timidity yeah. and if, and if people are confident they know what's going to happen then then they have confidence to be spontaneous and free and so if I know within within yeah the, it, it's really helpful boundaries it's it's if Corey says okay I want you to go into this music and we're gonna do it after I sing this song I, I'm not Stress the whole time, like, oh my gosh, like, what am I going to do? How am I going to do it? I know what I'm going to do, and then I'm confident. I can play confidently, but then I can have my sail up and, and ask the Holy Spirit, you know, what to do, and so we, we have a briefing before uh, uh, a lot of our, our prayer meetings, um, and that's like a, hey, you know, what are we going to pray for? What are we going to sing? And we might not do that exactly, but it gets a good platform, a good starting uh, point for us, so we're all on the same page, and from that place we can launch into spontaneous stuff and we bring back a lot of a lot of times we bring back choruses and music that we've done before uh you know and and it's it's just a great way to to combine the two so yeah so to
0: answer your question a little bit more specifically probably half of it is spontaneous and half of it is planned you know like caleb said we'll have a couple of musical ideas that we can we know that we can go into at any point but half of the time we're just making it up on the spot and as far as the actual antiphonal singing all of that is just, you're just coming up with it. <laughs> you're just singing some stuff. Sometimes it's terrible, and sometimes it's good. You hope it's good. <laughs> and uh, and so all of that is unplanned, except maybe a chorus that we've used before. You go, oh, I remember that chorus. That was really good, and it went really well with this. But basically everything else is spontaneous within that.
1: Good. A twofold question real quick. Uh how do you encourage someone to focus and pay attention instead of just smacking them in the back? How do you <laughs> encourage them to, to stay focused and realize they're a part of that uh, for the people that are worshiping? And then uh, on a smaller scale, uh, I love the teamwork aspect. It's awesome. I've gotten to experience it, and it's, it's, it's a lot of fun to be up there as a team. But on a smaller scale, uh, how would you encourage someone to take it, uh, depending on the size of their team, and do it on a smaller scale For instance, uh, my pastor, when we've gone and done different things in Kansas, like revivals, he's asked me, and he blindsided me with it. He said he wanted me to sing and kind of just go with whatever the Spirit led. Mm -hmm. How would you do that on on an individual scale or on a very small scale?
0: To answer the first question, are you specifically referring to the screens people, or are you talking about anyone? Uh, Screens people? That's been the bane of my life, bro. Some of them are so bad. So bad. I fired a number of them, and you just get a new one. Uh, <laughs> that's probably not the best method. I apologize for any screens people in here who are hurt by that. Um, yeah, I mean, you got to encourage them to pay attention. And so many times they're like, back there texting, And I would talk to them afterward, like, listen, man, I want you to engage with what's going on on the platform. Let's follow. Let's do this thing together. Let's be in unity, blah, blah, blah. And that's not just because I want them to get the words on the screen fast. I really want them on board with what we're doing. And so, I I mean, I've had multiple conversations like that. Like, hey, stop texting and pay attention to what's going on. Um, So, I mean, that's really my only advice on that. And as far as the second question, are you saying – on a smaller scale, when your pastor just tells you to do something, what do you do? Is that kind of what you're asking?
1: Well, like in your situation, you would come up with a chord progression, and you would come up with a chorus, and someone else would. Um, when you don't have that collaboration of ideas, and you sure. have to come up with all of that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's it's something that the beauty of it, I mean, you can do it with two musicians, or you can do it with ten. You know, I really, it's it's. I think it's the most helpful to have two at least because um, then you have that team element, you play off each other, but I mean, we could do a prayer meeting right now with, uh, where I'm prayer leading, and Corey's just on acoustic, and we do that same idea. I'm just praying the scripture. He's singing phrases. Uh, I'm praying phrases, and then we si- we eventually sing a chorus, and everyone joins with that. I mean, it's a very, it's a simple idea that, that we, you know, we actually do that, uh, you know, with one person on guitar, or a person on a guitar, and, and and someone on a djembe or a singer and a guitar. I mean, it's something that you can do on a, on a smaller scale. It's more fun with a team, because you have a team dynamic, but it's absolutely something you can do just with, with one or two people as well. Um, just in bringing it back to the worship team and kind of getting them prepared to do that, what would be your advice on, you know, like maybe at the end of worship rehearsal, doing, doing this just together so we get comfortable as a team?
0: I think that's a great idea. Do it together practice it you know what we would do at ihop is we would actually practice it like we as a team would get together and we would get in what we called the practice house and we would just come up with spontaneous music and we would just flow together and get on the same page together and we would practice it basically i know what caleb did with the younger ones at ihop they would have what they called workshops. We did it with our school of worship kids at IHOP. We would do workshops where we had them. You know, I could grab 70 of you right now and say, okay, get up here, grab some instruments, and let's do this thing. Let's workshop it. And I think that's actually really helpful because what it does is it helps you get over the fear, helps you get over the sort of the int- intimidation of it. I mean, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> for me, the first time I ever stepped up on the platform at IHOP, uh, it was during a two-hour set like normal and it was the first time I ever got up there and I was a singer And I was singing next to a couple people who I really looked up to and I didn't sing a single phrase the entire set not one not a single phrase. I barely sang around with the, along with the songs because I was so nervous. Like, I don't know how to be spontaneous. I don't know how to be prophetic. How do I do this? I'm scared. I'm, you know, I'm intimidated. I've got all this inner traffic, so I literally did not sing a single phrase the entire time. And they ragged me hard afterward. I mean, they were beating me up pretty good. It was good for me, but after that, I just started going, okay, I'm going to do this. And I practiced it. I practiced it. I practiced it. And the more I did it, it's seamless now. So, yeah, practice it. I think that's awesome. Is that helpful? Yeah. Sweet. Um, just real quick, um, through coming up with your worship sets and such uh, before uh, services and such, you know, if it's special occasions or special, uh, do you have meetings with the pastors to, to have approval for worship sets and such? Or? Here we do, yes. Okay. When I was at IHOP, I mean, I can't, there was probably a a five or six year span where I didn't think of the songs that I was gonna do on the set once before I got onto the set. <laughs> you know, once I got used to it, I, I never thought, oh yeah, let's, I'm gonna plan this out, I'm gonna do this and this and this and this. I just didn't do that. You know, we had a repertoire of maybe, what, 30, 40 songs that we could pull out at any time And so I would just get up there and go, okay, this one feels right for this passage or this one feels right for what's going on in the room. And I would sort of gauge it by that. But here, yeah, absolutely. There's, there's checks and balances, which I think are healthy and helpful. You know, if I'm leading a Sunday morning, I submit my set list on Tuesday. It goes to Brady. He goes, yeah, I like that. Or "Ah, let's tweak this because we just did this last week. Or this is what I'm preaching. And I think it would be really helpful and practical if you went this direction instead of that one, and so yeah, I think I think that's actually really helpful, healthy, helpful. That's cool, and a lot of times we as worship Making leaders might here. go, we, <laughs> we might go, oh, that's annoying. I'm held
1: down, and I
0: just want to do what I want to do. And who cares? Let's get
1: rid of that. You know, <laughs> who cares? Let's do two more questions. So let's go here and here. Okay, so once you do like a a worship cycle and a prayer cycle, and you do like choruses and and verse and everything, when do you know when to move on in the scripture?
0: Like, yeah. To me, it's very uh, different for each passage, for each set. You know sometimes you'll find that there's tons of life on that first little chunk and you want to sit on it for 45 minutes cuz you're just you're really mining the depths that day for some reason and it's alive and the room is responding and all of your singers are like yeah I'm loving this and sometimes that first one is terrible and you're like, let's move on. <laughs> and so I think it's different for each set and each passage. You sort of just got to feel it out. Like, is this working? Are people getting encouraged by this? Am I getting revelation on this? If so, stick on it. If not, feel free to move forward.
1: Yeah. There's a, there's a principle about uh, leading worship, and you're there to primarily serve an engaged room. And so your job as a worship leader is to, to get as many people unified in worship and prayer uh, as you can, and so I like to picture it uh, as we're we're uh, sailing, and we have this course that we're set at. And and we have this structure of this is you know this is how long we normally do each thing we do twenty minutes of worship twenty minutes of prayer all that and we're sailing this course but we we have our sail up and if the wind of the spirit comes in and, and moves on that as long as the spirit's moving on that then we'll go with that because it's just as scriptural and then and then there's a natural ebb and flow to the spirit I mean it's it's described in scripture like waves like there's a there's a there's this ebb and flow there's this increase and then there's this you know backing off and then an increase again that that happens in, in meetings. And so, you know, we, we don't try to force it and we don't pretend that the Spirit's on something when He's not and everyone's disengaged. We're like, no, I'm feeling it so we're gonna go through. We, <laughs> we watch the room and if the room's engaged on something, we'll sing that chorus for the entire prayer meeting. Like if the Lord's on something, then why move on? But then when, he, when, when He's, you know, it's seemingly He's not on anymore, we, we see that the majority of the room is not engaged anymore in a unique way, then we move on. So sometimes on one phrase, we'll sing a, f- a full phrase for an hour and there's life on it and there's energy but you know sometimes we'll sing a phrase and it's like dead no one's no one knows what the heck the phrase is talking about and we just move on to the next one and 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 we just we go with the wind of the spirit but we also have a structure and a plan at the same time so so what are your uh i guess what are the uh uh, ground rules that you guys have as a team i I assume like you have like a safe word or anything crazy like that like slalom that means everybody exit we have a whistle that we blow a whistle a say what, what, what do you guys have for like uh you know just some sort of ground rules to keep everybody grounded as a as the worship leader as the person leading the prayer meeting well we have a uh, a safe word that's called Corey's glare and so if he turns around and, and glares at you then you know that that you are out of bounds
0: I don't know that I necessarily have something like that besides the glare or maybe <laughs> strumming really hard because I'm mad. Um, I think for the most part, once you do it enough, there's a comfortability and there's, a, there's sort of a level of trust that you'll develop and you know your people, you know what they're going to do. Everyone knows the goal. Everyone's going you know, generally in the same direction. We want to prophesy and we want to give glory to the Lord. So I can't really say that there's you know, sort of a, a fallback or, or a safe word. For me, the fallback would be if something's not great, we just bring it down. Bring it down. Let's go back into a song. Easy enough, you know. It's pretty simple. I, I don't know if that answers your question. It does. It
1: does. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we always yeah. have a clear worship leader and, and a prayer leader. And so uh, the spontaneous and structure go together hand in hand. And so for structure, you need a leader. And for unity, you need a leader. And so we always... Make sure everything runs through the worship leader. And, and, you know, if, like you said, if someone steps out of bounds or whatever, you know, there's ways we do it in the moment. But then after, Corey would say, hey, you know, maybe don't sing about peanut butter and jelly next time. Maybe <laughs> just stick to the scripture. And, <laughs> and those conversations happen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they do. Beautiful.
0: So just one last thing before we end. I want to encourage you guys. I know there was a lot of talk, a lot of practical, a lot of things that can seem really daunting. But this is actually really fun. Yeah, like really the, fun. doing this the past eight years, it's super fun. Like the spontaneous just getting to flow and getting to do what's on your heart and what the Lord is speaking. It's, it's super fun. And there's so many directions and so many variables in it that are just really beautiful and really enjoyable. So That's what I want you to take from this. Don't be scared. Don't feel like, oh, I'm so intimidated. I'm going to screw this up. You have no idea how many times I screwed up. I sang so many stupid things. I did so many wrong chords and notes. My pitch was bad so many times. You know, my phrases were weird so many times. But overall, I look back on it and go, God, that was so fun. We got into so many amazing prophetic flow. So many people got touched in the room because we were obedient to speak and play what the Lord was speaking to us. And so that's my encouragement to you. Do it in your own way, but it is really,
1: really enjoyable. Yeah. I just want to pray for you guys. Uh, as you know, you guys are in diff- different places and, and uh, you know, some of you are wanting to know for just your own personal devotion. And some of you are wanting to implement this in your churches. You're all in different places. I just want to ask you know, that the Lord would, would come and just breathe on ideas and, and and guide you guys. So, Lord, I just thank you for the hunger in this group. I thank you that, you know, they come to this conference and, and, and spend their money because they're, they're so hungry to see you move in their churches. Lord, I ask that this reality that we talked about today, this This combining worship and prayer, Lord, I ask that you would give them divine ideas of how they can do this in their churches. Lord, I ask that your spirit uh, uh, would breathe on their worship in, in their churches. I ask that you would glorify your son Jesus in worship and prayer at their churches. I ask for worship leaders, for pastors, for teachers. Uh, that, that they would have creative ideas to get young people involved, to get their whole congregation praying, to get worship and, and, and prophetic all happening at their church, Lord. I ask that you would tear down some communication walls that have been there, and just f- any fear that there is in stepping out in the unknown, Lord. Lord, I ask that you would give them courage and strength, and Lord, I just ask that you would bless them and refresh them this weekend. I ask that they would go home to their churches being rejuvenated and, and even more hungry for the presence of God than, when they came here. We love you in your name. Amen. 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 Well, I'm going to, uh, I don't know if Corey has something, but I'm just going to hang out here for a little bit uh, after if any of you guys want to talk. The next session isn't until 3.30, so if any of you, you know, want to talk specifically about your worship team or have any questions or, or just say hi, uh, uh, I'll be available to do that.